Welcome to the Beacon broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com, beaconbaptist.com. The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. Why am I finding it so difficult to get past the first three sins on this list that Paul gives us in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 20? I keep wanting to get beyond it, and yet I keep dwelling upon it. And you may remember that here Paul has given a list of the kinds of sins that sometimes Christians don't think are all that bad, sometimes called respectable sins, at least I heard it called that by one preacher, and I think wrote a book along those lines that was very helpful, One, a man who's now with the Lord, but was a wonderful Bible teacher that I received a great deal of help from and continue to through his writings. Respectable sins. Are there, are there really such a thing as respectable sins? Not in God's eyes, but in our estimation, sometimes we put sins into two categories. There's the ones that aren't so bad, and we don't have to worry about those. Of course, yes, they may be sin, but they're they're just they're not they're not that big a deal. It's something that everybody does, and so I don't have to worry about those. Now there are some others, pretty serious ones, like the ones Paul names in verse 21. It'll take us a little longer to get to that verse at the rate we're going, but more more. Uh, Major sins, like the ones in verse 21, now those are the really bad ones. I acknowledge those are bad. If I commit one of those, I will acknowledge I have really sinned badly. And for the most part, those that are in the verse 21 are the ones that other people do. They're, they're the ones that we look at in other people, neighbors and friends and co-workers, and we say, that that's why I think of myself as being good. I mean, we don't say it that way, but that's that's what happens. We compare ourselves with others, and we say, well, I'm not doing anything like that. So that makes me feel pretty good. Makes us sound a great deal like that Pharisee who went up to the temple to pray and said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this publican. I, I do this, I do that to the other. I'm not, as, I'm not as bad as he is. I'm a pretty good person. Pat me on the back. Give me a few, few brownie points. That's the way we tend to be. We've got to stop it. We've got to see sin like God sees it. And that's why Paul is addressing the Corinthians in this way. And that's why I'm taking as much time as I am with these so-called respectable sins to help us understand that they are not minor, they are major, and they are great hindrances to our own spiritual development. They are great hindrances in the progress of the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they are great hindrances to our testimony to the world. So recognize that and deal with these things like Paul tells the Corinthians to do. So we'll look at these on this Wednesday, November 15. Able to do so because some of you help us with the financial cost. How much we thank you for that. How much we thank the Lord for putting that 
desire in your heart. Well, here it is again, verse 20. Paul says, For I fear, lest when I come I shall not find you as I wish. I'm afraid I'm going to find some of these sins among you, and that I shall be found by you as you do not wish. Because if I have to come and correct these things, then you're going to wish I hadn't had to come that way, but of course it's up to you. I'm writing this now to let you deal with it before I come. I'm, I'm sending the epistle, I'm delaying my visit so that you can deal with these things and we can have a really sweet, blessed, pleasant visit when I come the way you would like to have me come and the way I wish to come, but I need to make sure that these things have been properly dealt with. And what are they? Contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults. Yes, those are sins. Those are big ones. How do I know they're big ones? Because the Apostle Paul says, you've got to deal with these before I come, or else I will have to deal with them after I arrive. They must be pretty big ones to be treated in that way. And what are they again? Well, the first three are contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. Surely we have covered those sufficiently, so I will not go back to them again. But now we move on. The next one is selfish ambitions. What is that? And some of these things overlap because there are some, well, there are some relationships of one to another. For example, jealousy toward others and what they have, particularly if it's a position in the church that I think I ought to have and that person has it, then that's where selfish ambition comes in. We often have ambitions that are not godly ambitions. Well, isn't it a good thing to want to be fill-in-the-blank? Want to be a preacher? Isn't that a wonderful thing? Maybe, maybe not. Depends on if it's a God-honoring desire that God has put there, or if it's a selfish ambition that you want to be there because you'd like to be honored in that position. You'd like to have the limelight. You, 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 it's a, it can either be a godly ambition or it can be a selfish ambition. God does put that desire in people's hearts, and it's not wrong to have that desire. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 3 that if a man desires to have the office of a bishop, overseer, elder, pastor, that that's a good thing. That desire, he said, is a good thing. But here he talks about selfish ambition, so we have to put the two together and realize that a desire to be a pastor or some other kind of minister, some other kind of leader in the church, can be a godly thing because it is not selfish. It's a desire just to honor and serve the Lord. Or it can be a selfish ambition that I want this to bring honor to myself. I'm, I'm more interested in my own honor than I am in the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm confident that in some cases, and maybe in many cases, it can be a mixture of the two. We can have some elements that are a desire to honor the Lord, and yet there can be lurking in the background also 
some desire for ourselves to be honored. And it doesn't have to be an ambition for ministry. It can be an ambition for who knows what. Some people have an ambition to teach a Sunday school class, but they don't have the gifts for it. That's a sad thing. I, I honor people who want to teach God's Word. I, I honor people who have a, a love for the Word of God and who seriously study the Word of God and acquire a solid knowledge of God's Word. That's a wonderful thing. And when a person does that, they very very likely may have a desire to teach others what they have learned. And that may be a good thing. But if they don't have God-given ability to organize their thoughts, to communicate their, th- their thoughts in a helpful way, then it very well may be, in fact, I would say it very well must be that God does not want that person to teach. Not everybody who has knowledge of Scripture, not everybody who has a desire to teach has been gifted and qualified and called of God to do that. God gives different gifts to different people. He places within the body all of the gifted people that are needed to get the job done, but we are different in some, using the analogy that Paul uses elsewhere, some are eyes and some are ears and some are hands and some are feet, and not everybody has the same gifts, and though teachers are very much needed, everybody can't be a teacher, everybody's not equipped to be a teacher. I know people who've had such strong ambition to be a teacher, and in our church situation, sometimes we have given them the opportunity to demonstrate that that ability, if, if indeed they have a desire, maybe it is a God-given desire, so let's give them opportunity to exercise that and to demonstrate that they have the ability to do that. And sometimes that has resulted in finding a new teacher, someone who, yes, this person has the the gifts that God has given them to be able to teach, and we're glad we have discovered another teacher to edify the body of Christ. And sometimes we've had to say, whoops, sorry, it's hard, hard to tell you this, but dear friend, that's not your calling, because if God were calling you to that, God would have equipped you to do it, and frankly, you don't demonstrate the ability to do this in a good way. So God obviously has other things for you to do within the body of Christ. Someone has said that it's a sad thing when a man believes he's been called to teach or preach, but for some reason God doesn't seem to call anybody who wants to listen to him. Well, we've always seen we've all seen things like that. Sometimes we see that when somebody finds himself in the ministry. Maybe he has, uh, who knows how he got into the ministry, but there he is. And he takes a church that needs a pastor and thinks this will be a good opportunity for him to um, exercise this desire that he has within his heart that, that he considers to be a call from God. But over the course of the next few months and maybe years, that church just dies on the vine. I've seen that happen a few times, haven't you? No matter how hard he tries, no matter how much he labors, no matter how much he prays, it just doesn't bear fruit. In fact, people just find they get nothing out of it, and 
begin to drift away because they need nourishment for their soul and they need the help of God-called preachers and teachers. And they recognize they're not getting it here. And I've seen churches, maybe a small church to start with, maybe a man becomes pastor of a church or 30 or 40 people, and over the passing of uh, um, a sizable number of months, usually it takes to do this, pretty soon it's down to a handful, 10 or 12. And when it gets down to that, it's pretty hard to even keep the thing going. Very difficult. When churches get down to that size, they usually end up having to close. Unless God does something unusual, which in some cases would probably mean, if if the reason for the decline is because of the lack of giftedness that pertains to the one who's trying to pastor the church, then probably the only solution is for him to acknowledge that he's not cut out for this and to step down and pray that God will send someone along who is called and gifted and you're not you're not called if you're not gifted that that's why a call to ministry is more than just an individual call it also needs to be confirmed by a local church and if the church doesn't respond to your attempts to minister then you are not called so you must have what Paul calls here a selfish ambition. And you need to understand that and stop harboring that particular ambition. Paul says, get that straightened out. That's one of those things that needs to be straightened out before I come. Some of you have some selfish ambitions and you need to let go of them. You need to acknowledge them for what they are and let go of them before I arrive. Until tomorrow, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.